but I just it that's you'll be surprised how little people care and I will add that is a good thing because oh, yeah. basically you've got to do tasks with your crewmates and figure out which ones is trying to do the murders no that's that's among that's us. among us not impossible <laughs> syndrome activate your energy Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome back to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast with myself, Daniel Wilcox. And here with me every single week is... Sam Frost. That's me. Hello. Uh, Yeah, Sam Frost. (laughs) What are you doing? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm here for it. It's no judgment. I just wondered if there was a name for it. No, it's just like, whenever you do an intro, like if you just do it the same every week, it just gets a bit tedious so i'm just like how how can you spice what is probably about 30 40 words worth of content okay i see so and that's you... what the giant canister of helium's for for next week ah i love it i wondered i wondered why i, I had to sign for something huge and it said do not open until next week yeah i was putting on the ceiling earlier <laughs> that's fine but like willy wonk is going to be real pissed with you yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's fine it's fine how you doing what you been up to Oh, mostly not doing much because I've been real ill. I thought it was tonsillitis. I was so convinced. And then it started to go and I was like, oh, I don't like how this is progressing. That's not a tonsillitis thing. And then I got real bad fever and real bad everything else. And I'm still not the best, but like much better than I was. I have been real ill. That's how I've been. But I also passed my theory test. <laughs> Hell yeah, you did. Yeah, I know. Second time. Second time I passed my theory test. Um, I decided after passing it the first time that all the studying and money that I paid for it, meh. And I just, you know, no, I'm joking. I, um, I had a car accident, like, maybe a month or so before I was going to do, like, my practical driving lesson, um, just to underline I wasn't driving I didn't cause the accident I was a passenger in the in the car but it really shook me up and then any every time I got behind the wheel I froze and just had a panic attack so like I'd stepped away from driving for a long time um but I hate the fact that my son has to walk to school um when it's really cold or like scorching hot which is kind of the two weathers that we seem to be living in in England these days mm. um and also because he's not a fan of school, it, it makes him sad. Um, so I was like, screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to do it. So yeah, in January, I just booked a theory test and then I was like, well, I guess I've got to fucking study now. Um, so I did. And then yeah, I went the other day. I'm really annoyed because last time I took my theory test, I got hundred percent, and this time I got a question wrong. And yes, I was very ill that's not the point I should have gotten it and I didn't gotten it and it's a little bit irritating but I did pass yeah you know for every question you get wrong in your theory you have to tie like a plush figure to a string at the back of your car 
So if you got like three wrong, you got full like Toy Story style, just <laughs> Woody holding on to Slink. I wish that was true. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Just side note: during the um, pandemic, one of my favorite things was um, around the time when the schools were kind of opening up, but also the world kind of wasn't. It, it was all in, in the mix. There was a, a house that I used to walk past, and I went past it one day, and there was a little Buzz Lightyear hanging onto the window, and the window was slightly ajar. <laughs> And then, like, a couple of days later, I went out there and someone had, like, attached the Slink dog to the Buzz Lightyear. Oh, my God, that's cool. And I went out there. And then the next week, it had a Woody on. And I think in the end, there were, like, four or five toys that they just left for, like, months just hanging outside this window. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like, that is so perfect. So either they were very, very funny humans or they were very, very shit toys. I know what they were waiting for. I just did a dramatic pause and then realised that this is a podcast and that doesn't really play very well. Yes, dramatic pause. I'm doing a dramatic pause right now. Imagine me staring solemnly into the distance dramatically while pausing. There you go. Is that how you do a dramatic pause on a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I was just staring off into the distance. Dead air for the listeners. You're welcome. Um, that's good and yeah the fact that you did it while ill as well obviously like sorry that you felt shitty but hell yeah to to pass in the theory well it was that thing of like if you if you cancel or rearrange kind of less than three days out you don't get a refund and I was just like it's a lot of money yeah fair Fair. and I figured I wasn't putting anyone in danger you know because I'm not actually behind the wheel so yeah Thank you very much. Um, how have you been? I've been going through the ringer. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, um, yeah, it's been a, it's a, it's been a uh, well a tough week really. Like I um so my my hand pains are still as they are, and I had like a a call from my doctor on Tuesday just to kind of talk about the last tests, which were all negative for anything they could find, um, and to talk about next steps and stuff, but. I've still got the pains, which means that, you know, I'm working on a story at the minute and it's, it's, it's a weird kind of punishment because each time you go to the keyboard, I'm very, very aware that there's going to be a level of pain associated with writing the story, which obviously like, that's not the purpose of, of me writing the stories. Like, and I know there are arguments for dictation, all these other methods and stuff, but like, there's really is something with the connectivity of brain and fingers that I adore and I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been getting words down just considerably less so than usual. And like, for example, yesterday I took just a break from writing today. I've done very, very minimal writing just cause it's, it's been hard to work through the pain and get, get them down. So yeah. I don't know, like the next step is like, uh, I've got an appointment with a hand specialist in two weeks. Um, where that'll go, I don't know. Cause the pain has spread to like my elbows and I had a bit of my, my bicep this week. So that's been fun. Um, and then through all of this as well, combined with some stuff in, in personal life, I, I did have an appointment with a doctor on Tuesday um, and have been diagnosed with depression, which I kind of, well, we've kind of spoken about and it's kind of been um, the elephant in the room for a while. Um, apparently very high functioning depressive because that's me. I just, I tend to troop on and just, you know, make things happen and do what needs to be done because well, I, I basically need to at this point. Um, but yeah, so I'm getting some sort of help for that. I'm trying to be, I'm just practicing what I preach. Like, you know, we've got lots of people in activated authors community who have different things going on. Like every mm-hmm. podcast I go on, I talk about, you know, being kind to yourself and finding your own path while, while doing this. So I'm trying to, at the minute, work out 
what mine is and just test the levels of what I can and can't do because it's just hard. Like I even just regular work at the minute mm-hmm. is difficult because again, there's a level of pain associated with setting up your emails and scheduling stuff on social media and you know even even the stuff that I enjoy doing in my downtimes tend to be like guitar and video games and that kind of stuff that I can't really do all that much. Um, so I'm trying, I'm just trying to work it all out, which is uh, a very interesting position and situation to be in because uh, there are like lots of changes in like where I'm living. I'm going to be moving house again soon. I'm going to be moving back in with my parents for um, reasons to do with moving closer to my son. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it, I, I think it's, it's that thing of like people say, you know, things come in threes or, you know, like nothing for ages and then all the buses come at once that kind of stuff and it does it does feel like that at the minute there's just you know everything seems to be culminating in in these couple of months so um i'm having a good day today i am you know just trying to stay as optimistic as i can and again be kind to myself um and it was quite funny i had a conversation with a friend yesterday that uh, i absolutely love it um but i was kind of like it's, it's a co-writer of mine that i started sort of like just talking about some of this stuff because it does mean that I'm having to push some work away again mm-hmm. um and their response was like it's, it's just a fucking book and i'm like yeah yeah it is but also like there's there's i, I will just say like there's a genuine fear of mine that a time will come very very soon in which i'm not going to be able to write and that is a terrifying thought mm-hmm. i know there are other ways to do it like I, again like i know that you can get assisted writers, you can do like, I don't know, video, you know, uh, speech to text and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't yet know what the future holds. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm being dramatic at this point. Maybe I'm not, but that's kind of where, where my head is at. Okay. I just, first of all, thank you for sharing that because it's, I know from like personal experience, it's not easy to be open about this stuff. It's, you know, it's, is very difficult we hold one opinion of others um and like a grace and kindness towards others that have these issues and problems but we don't always um hold that for ourselves so the fact that you've just been so open about it um is huge especially as you're a dude um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's because just because a lot of you know not a lot of guys will will be open about it and i think like that's incredibly like I hate it when people tell me I'm brave but like because it feels weird but like it's just I think you could help a lot of people just by being honest and and the and sorry I'm I'm um getting totes emotion yeah a little bit mm-hmm. thank you for saying totes emotion because that has pulled it back a bit well, um <laughs> <laughs> yeah um what by sticking with who you are and your integrity which is to you know be open and share within obviously um the parameters of comfort levels but I just really want to say you're not being overdramatic like you are allowed to feel exactly how you feel and given all of the givens I think anyone would have that same fear in your position yeah, I mean, especially since I part of the reason that I ended my parkour days was because of injury. And this injury isn't linked, they've checked. Um, but like I've I've been through this before where like I was very 
passionate about something and then got to a point in which I had to give it up just because of you know physical pain mm-hmm. and switched kind of careers um quite dramatically into you know what then became publishing and marketing and all that kind of stuff so yeah like I've in a weird way it kind of feels like I've been here before and the the, the, the worst part for me is just not knowing what it is Mm-hmm. again like all tests are coming back negative if it was a case of someone went this is what's going on here's how you fix it like obviously you know all of that fretting about the future like all that kind of stuff goes but at this point there's they seem to really be scrambling to try and work out what's going on and the fun <laughs> it's that fun thing of like especially i say early on like this thing's been going on for close to two and a half years now um around the year and a half mark when you know it started really flaring up again and, and i started seeking like pushing harder to see a doctor bless them and i know it comes from a good place but the amount of people that will very quickly tell you what it is oh god yeah my cousin had this and then this is this is this and like all of those tests have been done and it is none of them like i was really in a weird way i was really hoping with like i had nerve conduction tests a couple of weeks ago and they shot like electricity up my arm and stuff to test the nerves and stuff um and i was really really hoping that that would come back that i had like carpal tunnel and cubital tunnel so again like you know what it is well yeah i mean you are a horror writer. What is one of the number one rules of writing horror? That Kill you don't show, Holy shit. <laughs> don't show the monster until the absolute latest point. And the reason you do that is to create that unease in the reader. Mm-hmm. As humans, one of the things we struggle the most with is not pain. It's not um, like sadness or anything like that. It's uncertainty. Mm-hmm. That's why so many people like mentally got fucked during the pandemic because like not only were we not allowed outside which is a natural part of who we are most of us um we didn't know when it was going to end or if it was going to end and it's it it is that uncertainty so i think like it's yeah nothing fucking fast because it's the british nhs (laughs) i'll tell you that much for free i know Every time yeah. you like, oh, have a timeline that they're, they're like, oh, well, you know, could be, could be this, could be this. Know. When, when do they turn into like builders? I don't understand. Oh, maybe, probably next week if I can get back after my kids' violin recital. I mean, it depends if we've got the equipment, mate. Suppliers. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to any builders listening. Um, but yeah, no, I do just want to. Um, take just a very quick opportunity just to say to like the activated authors who do listen to the podcast um bear with me i am doing my best to respond to stuff and to get back to to people and whatnot but yeah it's um <laughs> it's a challenging like and it, and it will be for like the next couple of months at least there's like a few other things yeah. as well I've got to sort out um so yeah working on it working on it um and i do want to say just before we quickly move on like a, a big thank you to you for all your support and like phone calls and stuff i do appreciate I do appreciate because yeah means a lot so um what's going no we've done what's going on no we haven't so what's going on in the world of creativity okay well just before i said that i was just gonna say of course like if anyone like has got any insight on uh, mental illness i'm your gal (laughs) (laughs) the beacons yeah yeah um well a couple of things actually um but like not not in the way that you would um expect I guess because I've not been well um and particularly yesterday I had a really shit brain day um poor Dan 
<laughs> I had a phone call yesterday and I was just sometimes when my anxiety is really high um I can sound like an absolute dick um because I don't know how to like one of the ways it presents in me is like all of the um the stimulus like from the outside is so overwhelming to me that like I can't really concentrate and so my irritation goes like sky high um and it stays there not for not directed at anyone or, or to anything but then like trying to have a conversation with me it's like I did this what about you and I'm like yep <laughs> so yeah um so yeah I've been doing um I've been doing a bit of the kind to myself as well um so yesterday I was drawing patterns <laughs> it sounds so silly when I say it out loud um I'll, uh, do I have one I'll just grab obviously if you are listening and not watching then I apologize um, imagine a pattern just imagine a pattern so like I have to distract my brain and creativity as I said the first time I was on this podcast uh, in uh, the style of being interviewed creativity is something that um, keeps me alive so I was trying to find something that I could do that I didn't have to think um, but could still like be creative so I did some patterns so we've got this one here Very good. they look so like and this is gonna sound so big headed but they look so impressive but they're so fucking easy. And that's what, like, I was like, I need it to look good. I haven't finished this one yet, but like, I need it to look good, uh, but not be difficult to do. So they're really simple. So I just went on Pinterest and did that. So creatively, yesterday I was doing a lot of pattern drawing um, and I've been listening to um, Lord of the Rings read by Mr. Andy Serkis. I'm still not at the golem part, but it's fine. <laughs> Um, it's seem like such a waste because like all of these thousands of pages for what's arguably about 20 lines of dialogue I'm just like I need like he is a master I mean we know this anyway but like seriously there are, there are times when I'm listening and I forget that it's just him mm. like he is brilliant um and that's been really creatively fulfilling and I know that might sound a bit strange but sometimes when you are like hobbled because of illness um and you know you want to do stuff but you just you seriously don't have the energy or whatever watching or listening to a master can feel like it can feed the soul in a way that like creativity might if you could and so I've literally just been walking around for the last two days with my headphones on and just non-stop listening to Andy Serkis read me Lord of the Rings. Mm. That man's voice, just 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 on a normal level, does things to me, but he's very good. Um <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've like if I've really managed anything. I've not really, outside of kind of like doing the podcast and editing it and stuff, um, I've not really done much this week like in relation to like the poetry or anything like that I've been focusing more on just getting myself through um not being well which is is kind of a huge thing actually for me because I'm not very good at usually sitting down and not doing anything um so yeah that's kind of it's kind of mostly where I've been at um and just trying to focus on 
how I can make myself healthier in the future. So like, you know, when, like, when you're ill, you just, all you want to do is not be ill, right? Um, when you're like hung over, you're like, I'm never going to drink again. Kind of it's, it's that kind of thing. So because I've been really ill, um, and not been really able to do a lot, I've been focusing on number one, what little bits I can do. And number two, how to make myself just the best version of me that I want to be when I'm, when I'm better, um, not to say like this is my fault like if I was healthier I wouldn't have caught this virus I don't mean that I just mean because I'm not well it makes you think about like yeah, yeah. It makes you appreciate when you are well and like what you can do so unless yeah. it's an ulcer then it's the reverse yeah like, you don't appreciate not having an ulcer when you don't have an ulcer but when oh, you mate. really appreciate not having thank an you ulcer. for saying that I'm so very grateful right now that I have no ulcers and I have not bitten my mouth thank you there you go. Yeah. There you go. What about you? Because like that was hardly the most exhilarating um creative update. Process is always exhilarating. Like <laughs> um it should be exhilarating. What's the point if we're not exhilarating listeners? I know. I know. Out of a plane. Sorry, Dan, go on. So I am fist deep in um Alice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up to the elbows, mate. <laughs> you're a special person oh. and you'll forever be in my heart <laughs> no I am uh, over the halfway mark now of the story I'm writing for the other stories podcast Halloween week um, and really really enjoying kind of what's coming out of it because uh, I, I think I've mentioned some of it but it's like a retelling of Alice in Wonderland um, lots of like horror stuff and yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to like capture that sweet point of keeping it my own while still hitting some of the key beats of Alice. So, for example, today um, working, I've reached a part where it's a Mad Hatter's tea party. And so we're all mad down here, Alice. Yeah. So the other parts like, you know, when you've got your caterpillar, you've got like you know, the ocean of tears and things. They're all fairly straightforward because they're quite simple things. But I think the tea party is a part I'm finding challenging most at the minute because i'm really not trying to do a direct lift so it's not like you know verbatim what lewis carroll wrote it's not going to be like every single beat is exactly as it is in the story things it really is just like my own kind of twisted interpretation of that mm-hmm. narrative um with like slightly different structures and stuff happening <laughs> inside it um but at the same time because the the tea party is so recognizable and memorable i do want to do it enough justice yeah it's kind of iconic yeah so not totally fucking it over but like making it my own within the, the world that i built so that's um that's been fun i've been as i say chugging away at that and it's it's done in a style that i get to kind of like just play with a bit of fantasy a bit of horror a bit of um just monsters there's lots of monsters in it um and then on top of that, I am well. I'm basically sorting out a bunch of uh, admin stuff for personal life. Um, but mm-hmm. on top of that, also um, still got a few places left of the zero to author mastermind. So mm-hmm. um, for people that are interested in me guiding them along and helping getting from zero to publish in six months, then by all means jump over to activatedauthors.com forward slash author 
Um, there are I, there are scholarship schemes as well for people that might be a bit more financially hard up. So if you really, really want to get on it and it's just you know not within your price range, do drop me an email and we'll see what we can do like a few people have already. Um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, chugging along, doing a lot more um, marketing promotion stuff because we've got our prep camp next week. So Yeah, we do. In the Facebook group, uh, it's a free five-day challenge where I will be sending over videos and resources and stuff to help you get shipshape prepared for this year's 50k writing camp which is running synonymously with the uh, nanoremo camp nanoremo um so if you want to try and write fifty thousand words in april or even if you want to write thirty thousand words whatever your target is we have a community that can help you hold you accountable charge you to the finish and make sure you hit your goal that you want to hit um yeah just for context for people that might be a bit new to this podcast the nano that we run every november well the 50k writing camp that we run every november um we've had people go from like thinking they can't hit the 50k to writing 110,000 words in a month mm-hmm. people that failed it 10 years in a row that have come in and completed it it is an environment bred to help you reach your goal yeah. so yeah and obviously you came from that boot camp as well Sam yes I did that was that was the very first time that you ever did see my face mm-hmm. not the very first time I ever did see your face because you're a bit of a whore and you're everywhere yeah. um That's me. Yeah, just spreading himself around, <laughs> like seven seeds up and down the south coast, the south coast, the British coast. Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, I smashed it, but I, I knew I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but it is like it is. Um, it's definitely there's like a camaraderie that happens. Um when you have a bunch of writers together that are aiming for a very like lofty goal and let's be honest for most people 50,000 words in 30 days is a lot mm-hmm. um you know it's I'm trying to remember the average is it like 1,000 something like 1,677 words or something like that a day it's 1667 so close um and for a lot of people that's a lot like if you write every day yeah that's if yeah well exactly that's if you can write every day which let's be honest most people are not going to because we have these small things called lives and responsibilities and all the rest of it um but it really does bring people together in like a really beautiful way um and you always I've said this before but you always get those handful of people that are that have signed up and they they almost start off defeated Mm -hmm. and and then you know we pull them through uh well i say pull them through we generally pick them up by the collar shake them and like give them a batman slap around the robin face and be like <laughs> come on now like yeah. if you didn't think you could do it why'd you pay the money and they're like okay that's not that's, that's not at all how it happens but yeah <laughs> that's also quite a big part of the prep week next week which as i say is like a free challenge you can get involved get the resources um but in that prep week, I do go through what I call the roadmap of Nano, which is mm-hmm. really, it, it, it sounds bizarre when you think of writing, but it's like an emotional chart about the peaks yeah. and valleys of, while you're going along each day. So kind of, you know, how it begins, how it ends, where you should expect slumps and stuff, because, you know, although it's kind of individual in how you approach it, the overall um, ride itself is pretty universal. There are definitely, definitely places where everyone's like, we got this. And there are definitely places where people are like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, so, we don't got this. Yeah. No, so the more you know in advance, the more you can know where you are when it's happening. Um, yep. There's a thing I came across, and I'm 
can't remember if I mentioned it earlier before, but um, there's a thing that I, I saw Margot Robbie in an interview talking about drown training. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there are different stages of drowning. And the ones that we panic at are the very, very early ones. You can drown for quite a while without actually drowning. Mm-hmm. But drown training is essentially um, understanding what the steps are so that you don't panic as much because you know that there's more to come. And so that's kind of what I'm doing here is I'm drowning authors, really like holding their faces in the puddles and just letting you know that like it's it's going to get worse. It's going to hurt. But at the end of the day, it's not death. So there you go. There's my sales pitch. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Come along so Dan can waterboard you. But it's okay because you'll know that you can get out of it at any point. Activateorders.com <laughs> forward slash prep. <laughs> oh we're on it what's a win from the community so our win from the community this week uh, is there have been no we're both at the screen sorry go on Uh, um so our win from the community this week comes from one of our brand new members and the wonderful shane miller um and just a side note i was on shane's new podcast um this week i don't think the episode's been released yet but if you want to check it out it's the right better fiction podcast with shane miller um and shane says having not written any new words for months Thanks to the sprints with Eden on Thursday and some daily sprints with other writer pals, I cranked out just north of 25,000 words last week. Nice. Shane. Fantastic. Yeah. Oof. He did oh. half a nano in a week. Damn. Average. It's average. A life. A day in the life. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know. I, I, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And what is today's topic, Sam? <laughs> Right, hold on a second. Hold the fort. Let me go into my mind palace. That's it. It is. Well, tell me how you overcome the imposter syndrome. What's imposter syndrome, Sam? Imposter syndrome is when you are in a situation with an imposter. With an imposter. And basically, you've got to do tasks with your crewmates and figure out which ones are trying to do the murders. No, that's 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 among us, not imposter (laughs) syndrome. Imposter syndrome, simply put, is when you are in a situation um, or an environment in which you belong, but you feel like you do not belong. You feel like you are the only one there that doesn't know what you're doing or what you're saying. And at some point, everybody's going to find out and you're going to be kicked out in the most humiliating fashion possible because you don't belong there. Mm. Now, it comes in as a spectrum. So you don't always necessarily feel like, you know, you're going to be burnt at the stake, but there is always that like underlying level of like disease, dis-ease that um, you shouldn't be there. You don't belong there. You're not worthy of being there. And who are you to, for example, call yourself a writer or an author when you haven't yet published a book and you've just started on your first draft and you don't want to tell people that you're a writer because you're not a writer yet. You just all you're doing is sitting down and writing. And that's not what a writer is like. And the words aren't very good anyway. And you don't even know if you're going to do it. And it feels, you know, why it's all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it's not necessarily always just you know um singulated to, to writing it's something that i'm sure we've all experienced at some point oh, but it's universal starting yeah. a job jumping on a course you know whatever it is where in where you're putting yourself in a position that feels so unnatural like it, there's a general progression of learning that happens in life like you put yourself you you start off as an amateur you go into sort of intermediate hopefully you get to the point where you're expert and then with any luck you'll jump into a slightly different level or arena in which you start that beginning point again um and i've had that a few times about different promotions and stuff where it's like don't be promoted and it's like i do but i don't know that i'm the right person for the job and then you get into that job and obviously like you, you begin to learn that 
you know, everyone starts at that kind of same basic. And obviously there are some people that when it comes to jobs and skills and stuff, it's slightly different. But anyway, I digress. Imposter syndrome. So um, just to lay a bit of groundwork for, for some of this, and this might just be my thinking, but like it's definitely um, something I've thought about a lot lately. Um, imposter, syndrome for, imposter syndrome for me mostly comes as a bit of a symptom of uh, how the majority of us are educated growing up. Mm. in the sense that we are mostly all put through a schooling system in which you have to hit certain criteria to succeed to you know mm-hmm. have achieved what it is you want to achieve and so we we grow up with this very um internal compass that what we want to do and or, or, that everything that we do has a yes or no answer or a particular path and then one of the things that we learn as creatives is that there never was a path there never is a path and paths don't exist at all like you are the path my friend as my therapist once told me oh oh you are the path you are the path the yellow brick path road it paves underneath your feet whichever way you go you're you are the path (laughs) so this is this is i think where a lot of the root of imposter syndrome comes from because if you do take you know writing for example as we probably should because you know this is a podcast for authors Hmm. Imposter syndrome, when you're putting out a book, you are the, the, the discomfort, the disease, like you say, is like, who am I to be doing this? Which means there's a certain level of approval that you're seeking in creating that work. So if you don't put out the work, you therefore won't get or not get that approval. And therefore, you can mm-hmm. your current happiness as, as to where you are. Um, and the truth is that no matter what you put out, no matter how you put it out, there are going to be people that like it and they're going to be people that hate it. Um, you know, I've, I've seen writers who have created books that are arguably a shambles um filled with typos and all that kind of stuff and they have found some kind of audience because people so there, there are great people out there that can see through um see through the the muck to get to the core of the story and, and or even just support that person in what they're doing like the whole point of artistry and creativity is that it's, it's a growth growing process mm, so, and it's subjective and it's subjective like it really really annoyed me when um one of my old housemates used to do a graphic design course at university and he would get graded by a teacher to say whether or not this project was good or not. And I'm like, but art is subjective. So how are you, what are you grading this against? Like, what's the criteria for whether or not you've created like a good app? Mm-hmm. Like the, the criteria is whether people are using it and whether people are downloading it and enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I, I do think just to, to set like context for my thinking, that is where a lot of that discomfort comes from. Because again, like even when you go into work, you are hitting certain criteria. you have, you know your reviews every quarterly whatever it is just in which yep. you're graded against certain criteria to tell you whether or not you're doing good in the job and so when it comes to things like art we're constantly seeking at least in the beginning that kind of like did i do a good job can mm-hmm. i um had, my editor told me i did good okay i've now got the confidence and i think this is really why one of the things that pisses me off most in life is when you have because most people have this story from a teacher you will mm-hmm. never be an artist you will never yeah. be a writer you will never be a You'll never amount to anything. No, and I've seen so many people that have like come back and just been like, "Screw you! I was, I was, I was right, and you were wrong." And then the teachers be like, "I knew that the whole time." And I'm like, "Fuck off, you did!" Like it's such. Yeah, a- and also not everybody. This sorry, just very quick side note. Not everybody like is inspired by that. FYI, no. some people Break. are very much wired to like watch me, which is how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people that that would fucking crumble. Yeah, and it has. And so as we do teachers that do yeah. that shit. And as we've seen with like activated authors and like other talks and stuff I've given, like most of those people, they then have like 20, 30 year gaps in which they mm-hmm. don't have anything because they've been told they can't. And so 
I think I, I I do think at its core that's kind of what um, imposter syndrome is. It's all these voices. It's all this kind of teaching that's been born to most of us through most of our lives, and so this is why creativity is such a brave endeavor because we're putting ourselves out there and just going like fuck you to what we have known and saying mm-hmm. like this is a thing that I love this is born from a place of what I want to do and so I'm going to do the hard work and, and create something um I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that at all there is um I think that like it imposter syndrome um really does show up differently and the same so it's like there's different I would say um like levels of it so just even just being like I'm not a good singer or I'm 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 good enough to sing like to my friends and family but like I'm not a professional singer like (laughs) an example taken from nowhere in particular um is a level of imposter syndrome um but also like, you know, about to step on stage and just being like, all of these people are going to realise that I suck and then having a panic attack. That's also imposter syndrome. There's lots of different like levels. And you reminded me, sorry, I'm very like congested. It's beautiful. Uh, you reminded me of um, something that Brene Brown said. So I'm just going to grab that up quickly and if this takes forever i will flawlessly um edit it just snap <laughs> into and so brene says <laughs> yeah exactly flawlessly uh, edited i'm sure so this isn't a quote from brene brown it is a quote from um i feel i can't remember it, it's a president i'm sure it'll say here somewhere um but she says it's yeah it's roosevelt yeah Yeah. So this is something to think of about like when you're thinking about the the bravery of creativity and of like, you know, standing out there and feeling the imposter syndrome and all of that and being worried about all the things that other people are going to say, because that's a big part of it as well as like, what will people think of me? Who am I? It's it's you know, there's all those thoughts. So this is the quote. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actively strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. There we go. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it's right, like most of the people that tend to have anything negative to say, especially, you know, I, 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 I was probably quite fortunate early on, but I didn't get too much negative stuff, and I, I've got some reasons why that might be that I'll share shortly, but like, most of the people that normally do have something negative to say are normally the people that aren't in the arena with you mm-hmm. like it's always the people on the sidelines it's never the people, people who can't do tell other people they'll never amount to anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so there are like a few things that i think are gen general fears when people first kind of try to start writing they want to share their their art with other people um one many of them which i've gone through myself uh but i know one of the big ones is fear about putting out work that people that you know are going to see because 
you know, speaking of someone who writes horror, mm-hmm. there was a real deep fear of, you know, what will my mum say when she reads this? What will my sister, what will my dad? Because horror obviously treads in places that most people won't tread. Um, mm-hmm. You like to point out, like a lot of my work has boners. Um, <laughs> You're obsessed with erections. I I wouldn't go that far. Uh, erections fe- and killing dogs. They feature. Um, <laughs> it's not a good sales pitch for my books. There are other things as well. There are vaginas. We're fine. No, I'm joking. Um, no, not really. It's mostly boners. <laughs> the point being, when I started putting stuff out, that was a real genuine uh, worry of mine. Was you know, oh, what about all the people that? are close to me i know like quite a few people have wanted to write you know romance or erotica or just stuff that is very out of character with themselves in the world mm-hmm. and i really like I, I say to people most people that you know won't buy your shit like i can count on one hand the amount of like close friends and family that have read any of my stuff like i've got friends that are like i bought your book for my dad and i'm like yeah but you've not fucking read it have you <laughs> but like it it's true like i you know, I've been publishing for eight years, writing for nine. Um, and yeah, it, it's got to be like less than 10 people have within my circles, like family and, and sort of friends and stuff that have read my stuff that have, you know, really kind of gotten behind the curtain and seen it. Um, but I just, it, that's, you'll be surprised how little people care. And I will add that is a good thing because oh, yeah. the people who, are in my circle are not people that generally read horror so they're not my readers and I learned very quickly to go towards the people that I'm writing it for and the people isn't my dad isn't my mum isn't my sister isn't my brother isn't my best friend like they're not that's not who the book was written for for the book was written for me and I'm a horror fan and therefore other horror fans are my audience Mm -hmm. that's another thing as well with the internet being how it is now and how easy it is to number one write anonymously should you wish like with pen names and different things like that um and, you know, if you are really, really worried about imposter syndrome, pen names are a fantastic way to go. Yeah. Um, like, there are so many places that you can publish and build an audience without any immediate people finding out. Just, you know, create a new um, social media profile. Don't promote your stuff on on private things. Like, you know, we've got some of the activated authors who, until very, very, very recently, hadn't shown their face on anything because, you know, it was very, very important for them not to. Um, and decisions can change, things can change, but... You know, there are genuine reasons why people would hide their work from certain people. Uh, and if, if imposter syndrome is really kicking your gut and you are really concerned about whether or not you've got what it takes to write, then that's definitely something to consider. So, yeah, imposter syndrome. So it kind of goes into one of my next points I was going to go to as well. So for me, imposter syndrome at its at its core is a disconnect between your why and um what it is you've created so if you are putting out a book and this is really how i overcome this and how i really think about my books is like who am i writing for and why am i writing and those are two of the core fundamental things that kind of fuel each project and so you know i've started some stuff but a lot of stuff over the last couple of years i've like let slip because it just hasn't vibed in the way that i want it to it hasn't got me in it like it's very and like, if I look at my fiction, for example, as I say, I'm writing for me. If I've mm-hmm. enjoyed the process, if I can read it back and enjoy what I've written, that's enough for me. Um, so when I put a book out, it's not for the money. I'm not slamming it for like all this extra stuff. Like I'm promoting it because I believe in a quality product that I've written that I believe other people will enjoy. If there's a disconnect there and you are just as, you know, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, for example, 
writing books with AI and just shoving them up on Amazon, mm-hmm. the syndrome might start to kick in then because ultimately you know that that integrity, that core sort of reason for being isn't there unless your entire thing is just to make money. If you're like one of those people that doesn't care about that stuff and you're just doing that to make money, you're probably going to sleep fine at night. But if you're an artist who's suddenly gone like, how do I shortcut my way to becoming yeah. an author? There's going to be a lot of friction, a lot of tension in yourself that's going to stop that. Was that kind yeah, of yeah. roughly the direction you were going? Yeah, kind of really. It is It is just that like if you, if you are infiltrating a space to, you know, mm. nefarious ends in one way or another, whether it's just to like make money by like you say spamming ai and all the rest of it um and not caring that it's going to fuck up a lot of other people's shit um then you're not going to feel imposter syndrome because you don't care yeah true imposters don't feel imposter syndrome if you're feeling imposter syndrome it it means that you care and that yeah and also like like there is i don't think there is one artist that has ever lived that has not felt imposter syndrome like it's 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 kind of part of the the course, part of the journey. And it, and it's not something that like you feel once you get over. Anytime you try something new, anytime like you're releasing something new, it's going to pop up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, imposter syndrome is a fancy way of, of saying fear. It's a fancy way of um, being worried about being ostracized or being shamed or like of doing of making a mistake publicly yeah. um you know it's a, it's it's another way of our brains trying to keep us safe uh because that's what our brains are mm-hmm. built for is to keep us alive and you know back in the cave days we didn't have amazon bestseller charts <laughs> so our brains don't understand that like whether like aunt jill's going to judge you for that incredibly um steamy scene you've written our brains see that as the same danger as like there's saber tooths at the watering hole mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't distinguish it's just like this is bad this could go badly so it's kind of it's yeah it sucks but you you feel the fear and you do it anyway as susan jeffers would say mm-hmm. um and then each time you do something in that same lane the imposter syndrome will lessen but the second you take a sidestep or like anything, it's going to come back the same. And I'm not saying this to be to like freak people out. I'm saying it to, just to say it is just part of the journey. Yes. And it does suck. But like the more you feel it and the more you can understand literally the biology of, of your brain and why you're feeling it, it doesn't it doesn't lessen it but by understanding it it doesn't have as much power yeah yeah and just to correct you there were amazon bestsellers in caveman days except they were like holes on the ground that they had in the jungle <laughs> um but you're right like and i think knowing <laughs> it's Such a ticket it's a big part of um <laughs> again knowing what your goal is so that you can understand what your end goal is because for me like so just to use a perfect example, so The Nowhere Line, which um, is the book that I've currently written and it's in, in the hands of a few reads and things, um, is my first potential entry into like a real conscious effort to try and get some kind of award um, from critics just because that's the aim of that book. I am very aware that for me, this is, as much as I can, um, a long-term 
aim. So if it's a case of I put this book into the hands of readers and it comes back that it's not fit for those lists, I'm not done. Like I, I can use that information to go, okay, what have I potentially missed? And look, you know, read more of what has hit certain charts and without sacrificing what has made my book mine, see if I can mm-hmm. find a way to, you know, make it work. It's again, the process, you know, especially earlier on, it, it becomes that be all and end all where a writer will put a work out, they'll share it to one person and that one person will go and shit. And then they're done again, like the whole teacher thing yeah what you really have to get used to and it is um it is tough in the beginning it's it it, people call it like the the hardening of the skin the thickening of the skin whatever it is um and i really just think it's it's not even that it's just being self-assured enough to know that like i want this and therefore i shall improve because you can always improve i can improve you can improve like everyone listening can keep improving um and if anything like whenever i've wrapped up a book in my head, I kind of go, is this the best I'm capable of in this moment? And if I can just genuinely say yes, then the book is done. Mm. I could spend every month going back to that book and making it better and making it better and making it better because every month I will learn, every month I'll be writing new stuff, every month I'll be reading new books, learning new tricks, that kind of thing. It's Books become a stamp in time. They become yeah. like a hallmark of a moment and like, for example, with my own back catalogue, there are certain books now that I have delisted because I do feel like they were arguably a bit more um, juvenile is the wrong word, but sort of definitely younger works that don't quite line up with what I'm going for now. Um, and they're works that I'm potentially looking at, at redoing. But ultimately, like I was proud to have those out for for years because they were, you know, they, they did good things for me. Like Sins of Smoke, my first ever novella, went straight to like the top of the horror charts in Halloween. And I was like, hell yeah, I love that um again like that was my first book that i put out so the reason i've delisted that isn't because i'm not proud of it but just because i have learned so much since then mm-hmm. that i would like my work to be found and reflected of kind of a bit more of where i am but yeah the, the point being that you know again if you can say to yourself i've done my best in this moment mm-hmm. hand it to someone get feedback best thing you can do hand it to lots of someone's who are qualified in some way to give that feedback like your aunt your mum your sister your dad whatever is they're probably not in the best position to actually give you genuine feedback really try to find reader groups or people that enjoy the genre you're looking at like i was very fortunate that um the woman that gifted me the book of short stories as a secret santa that kind of put me on the trajectory we used to work a lot together um and we'd have shifts where uh there was just not a lot going on so i would literally like, hand her pages of my work and just kind of go like do you mind taking that home, reading it and like, let me know what you think. And she was a fan of horror. So it kind of worked out in my favor. And again, like, would I use her now to get the best feedback possible? Probably not because she likes horror, but she likes a load of other stuff. And I didn't really have access to anyone else then, but now I've got like a group of readers that I can do that with. Yeah. And I think just as important as finding um, like your audience or like professional, like whatever it is to kind of um, give that feedback. I think make sure the people that are going to give you feedback are people that you can take feedback from. Yeah, yeah. So this is another reason why. Tell you you're amazing. Yeah, this is another reason why, like, for most people, family members, friends um, aren't the best people because you have pre-existing relationships and expectations with these people. So like, you know, 
most people will still have some kind of unresolved issues with their parents in one way or another that they don't even realize so them then giving you feedback can trigger something else and you'll find that you can't hear what they're going to say even if what they're saying is helpful which let's be honest it probably isn't because unless they are specifically your readers or I don't know like industry professionals then it's probably not going to be that helpful anyway but just make sure that like you are prepared to take actual feedback and to your the best of your ability and it's difficult in the beginning because trying to find people is not an easy task it's one of, it's one of those things that grows with you i i assume you know as you get like a readership and stuff you can reach out to actual readers of yours um but yeah people that are, are actually going to give constructive helpful feedback like it's not a difficult thing to do it's called the shit sandwich you say something good you say something that could that you feel like could be improved and then you say something good again like it's not a difficult thing to not be an absolute twat box when um giving feedback to people so if someone is just being constantly a twat box they're just not a nice person move on don't give them your work again like measure that as a problem of theirs and not of yours yes and there are a few a few bits i want to add to that as well because like if you are going up to someone for for critique like i've had it before where a friend's reached out to me and said um, would you mind reading my book and you know giving some feedback? And I've replied by going, "What kind of feedback do you want?" Mm-hmm. Because I can be very like critical of all the things, in my opinion. Um, I can sort of be a bit lighter on it all, or I can kind of just give you a general like one to five. Where where how polished is it? Um, when I've given feedback, I've kind of caveated sometimes at the beginning by saying like sometimes I realise that what I'm writing can be blunt um it's not a reflection of the writing it's just me when i'm like putting stuff in there because you, you can't fancify like if you're editing someone's work you can't fancify like every comment that you put back um then the other very very important thing is if the person who's evaluating you isn't going this is my opinion and is instead going this is the book as general mm-hmm. that's an issue because you don't want someone to be like just the characters in this book are shit you just yeah, go, not helpful so it didn't work for me these are the reasons why uh, other people might find this as this, but for me, these characters didn't, you know, there, there, there are ways to relay that information. And you're right. Like not everyone is great at wording it and giving that feedback, but again, it, it comes back to how you communicate upfront, what it is that you want, um, mm-hmm. what you think they're looking for. And I get that that's difficult. And especially early on, you might not know specifically, um, but some things that, you know, people can comment on are like, you know, your, your art story arc is in beginning, middle, end. How are the characters? Uh, well, the the most important question that I would say, if you if you only ever have the chance to ask one question to a reader, um, was there a point in which you put the book down? And if so, what was that point? Because obviously people put the book down when they're tired or whatever. But like if there's a point that is commonly among quite a few readers making them put the book down, what can you put in there to keep them page turning? Yeah. A couple of things um, off of that. Number one, most people don't like giving negative feedback. Um, so like, like Dan says, if you, if you communicate openly at the beginning and even, um, I've known some people literally do forms yes. so people can like fill in and ask very pointed questions. So people feel like they're doing their job properly. Um, that can be helpful, but like, you're going to get, you're going to get people that are, like I say, twat boxes that aren't great. And you're going to get people that completely ghost because the 
the thought of saying anything negative makes them vomit. And then you're going to find people in the middle um, that will be able to deliver what you've asked for. And it's those middle people that you're going to want to, like, you know, keep on board and potentially use in the future. Um, but something um, that occurred to me earlier that then completely left my brain because um, I'm currently diseased is something that's really important when it comes to imposter syndrome and um, like Dan was saying about self-assurance and all that kind of thing is know where your locus of validation is. Mm-hmm. And that's a very like psychology heavy term. And all it means is what do you need to feel like you've done a good job? Is it your own approval or is it someone else's approval? Because Dan, for example, like... Very intrinsically rewarded. Yeah. Whereas me, if I don't get a pat on the head and a cookie, I'm going to sulk. Now, it's something neither that I am ashamed of or proud of. It is just something that is. And it is something I'm working on, like bringing that closer to me. Because I would like to just be able to say, like, this is good. The end. I don't need to ask. But what happens with me is like a poem, for example, I've finished writing it and I'm like, I'm really proud of that. I think that's really good. Let me go read it to someone and get that validation that it is good. You know? Um, And it's the same with anything. It's like, look what I just did. Like, please give me a cookie and tell me that I'm a good girl because no one did when I was little and I really need you to tell me. Um, So it's just by knowing that about yourself. And again, it's, it's neither like, a positive or a negative at this point just it just is that's where 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 you at and if you want to work on moving it like internal then go for it like it can't hurt but also there is such thing as being too internal mm-hmm. so it's you know just finding kind of where you sit and yeah. and seeing if you're happy with that because that's going to massively like i would argue people that have external locus of validation will suffer with imposter syndrome a lot more. And it's probably like, um, it probably feels a lot heavier because the first negative thing that is said is going to validate that imposter syndrome. And then it it keeps kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. building. Whereas if you can understand that that's how you are motivated and that is what like you need to feel good is other people to tell you that it's great, then you can understand yourself better and know that like it doesn't mean you're an imposter it just means you're an artist and that art is subjective and that people will have opinions so this is obviously when you've like released something and when you're taking feedback it doesn't mean you're shit it means you're doing exactly what you should be doing Mm -hmm. and getting feedback so you can improve on work because no piece of art ever is done after you put the pen down the first time or like you you know stop moving or whatever it's everything has its ideation phase and then it's kind of first draft phase um and you know and onward so it's just if you know where you sit on that then you can like buffer yourself a little bit if that makes sense yeah and um one more note to add as well just kind of springboarding off of yours is that if you have put work out and it hasn't been met with a reception that you're after it also might not mean you're a bad writer marketing plays a huge role in whether or not your book is found by the right people um because mm. that ultimately that's the core of what marketing is are you reaching the right people with the thing you're trying to sell um, and yeah. I, I had it with when winter comes where i market it towards 
too much of a horror audience. Um, yeah, too much of a horror audience in, in its original sort of like design and cover and stuff. And then I realized it probably sits better in sort of more post-apocalyptic, like chaotic um, genres and it sells better. And I had to redo the whole thing. But like it was if I hadn't have tested things, if I hadn't have been confident enough at this point, because, you know, I've released enough books to know this process to be able to go, oh, maybe something's not right here. Um, then I might have just put that off as like, oh, it's a shit book. Mm -hmm. I mean, like anything's going to be awful to give it to the wrong people. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's just that's just the way that it goes. Um, but yeah, just see me at dinner parties. Like I'm the worst. <laughs> but yeah, just to kind of like surmise, I guess. So you know, everyone suffers from imposter syndrome at some level, at some point. Mm -hmm. um, if you have your internal compass, if you know what it is you're trying to achieve from your books, um, and if you're just doing your best to do what you can, you can't you can't do better than your best. Perfection doesn't exist. All you can do is be the best that you are in that moment and get to a point that you're happy with your work. Seek feedback, take that feedback somewhat critically and just know that it's part of the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And know that each time you release it, something new, you will take another step down the path. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like one book doesn't define you. Mm -hmm. Nor does one review. No. What a world we live in. Um, all right. So just a bit of real little promo from us uh so if you want to find out more about the zero to author program head on over to activatedauthors.com forward slash author if you want to jump over and join us in our free five-day challenge which as of release of this podcast will be out and starting today head on over to activatedauthors.com forward slash preppers prep. prep prep i kept it short or if you're already in the facebook group all the information will be over in there anyway so just find us there um and preppers and just to finish up a massive thank you to you the listeners for tuning in we appreciate you and the time you choose to spend with us each and every week and as always if you're looking to level up your author career and writing and all the good stuff head <laughs> over to activateauthors.com to find out all about our community our resources and everything else that we've got going on one more time from myself and from sam we will see you next week goodbye bye bye <laughs> activate your energy